Welcome to the Grace-Based Living Podcast by New Creation Church. My name is Christy. We're so glad you're tuning in. Parents, this is our parenting series for parents with teens. Be blessed and empowered by Pastor Matthews and his guest speakers as they share real-life experiences and practical handles on parenting and raising teens. We're back on today with Pastor Matthews and Miriam for this episode. Hi, Pastor. Hi, Miriam. Hi, Christy. Hello, Christy. Parents, if it's your first time tuning in to our podcast today, welcome. In our past two episodes, we've been sharing about the LEAP approach, which stands for Listen, Empathize, Ask, Point, and Pray. And today, we're on to the topic of asking the right questions. What kind of questions should we be asking? How do we go about asking these questions? When do we ask these questions? And is there actually a right time to do so? Obviously, asking a tirade of questions is not the way to go. So perhaps we can start off with some real-life experiences from our speakers. Pastor, has a family member ever asked you questions that made you feel like you wanted to pour out your life to them? Or perhaps the absolute opposite, where they asked you a question that made you feel like exiting the conversation right there and then? (laughs) Hey, Christy, that was such a good question. Um, Again, you know, I have a family of four kids. They're all grown up uh, um, teenagers, three of them at least. Uh, And you know what? I've got a wife. We've been married for more than 30 years. And of course, you know, this question is so applicable in our home. Uh, you know, we've got, I've got two kids that are about somewhat alike, and the other two that are also alike. So I'm blessed in that way. I don't have four absolutely different personality <laughs> kids. So the ones uh, that are about the like, my, my first one, my third one, let me just tell you exactly how my, my daughter uh, approaches this question. And, and I love the way she approaches it. She is, she'll ask me, hey, dad, what do you think of this? I encountered this. Uh, what is your view on this? How shall we look at it if this thing happened in my life? And, and then she'll ask all those hypothetical questions. And perhaps she's the girl and she tends to ask the questions that way. Perhaps. You know, and I've got another girl that does not speak or does not ask too many questions and everything is <laughs> internalized, right? And you've got to literally dig it out from them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I've got a son who sometimes tells it like to you, like in your face, like, Dad, what makes you think you're right about this? <laughs> and, oh, no, wh- why do you say that? No, you live in the past anyway, you know what I mean? And and then, you know, I mean, those things that you said, they only apply in, in your era, not in our era. And when something like this happens, you tend to want to walk out of the room, right? Yeah. So I've had both conversations and my daughter asked me those questions. I would say, wow, you know what? This is such a good question, dear. Can I just pour out my life to you? And for the next three hours, I'm preaching. So again, <laughs> let me just say this. Yeah. I'm given to this. I know it's bad. I'm just going to say to you that I'm not only a parent, I'm also a pastor. <laughs> and mm. you know, sometimes you share more than you want to share because the Bible comes alive and you start talking, right? Like what I'm doing right now. Okay. (laughs) So I realized just among the four kids and my wife at home, approach is so important. Mm. And I learned that even from my children as well. And my wife has said this to me a number of times. It's the tone you use, it's the approach that comes forth. And your questions has an edge to it. And I didn't like the way you asked the question. And you know, that sort of a thing. So again, I, I know I'm guilty of going into a preach mode as a parent and with my children. And my wife has noticed it as well. And every time I go down this path, it has shut down communication. And so I've learned down through the years to ask the questions that really cause people to initiate answers. And I've learned 
that questions are so powerful. And I see that in the scriptures as well. And today we're going to talk a little bit about this, how Jesus himself employs the use of questions to elicit the right responses. And I found out also that right questions help to initiate good conversations. So I'm just going to say this. I put this down in my notes, and I think it's really good to just share this today. Questions motivate, but statements irritate. I just want to put that across because this is a life lesson with me. Questions motivate and they cause the person to stir up their passions and emotions and even the wanting to talk stirs up faith and expectation and statements irritate. So what they do is they end up causing the conversation to cease abruptly. Somebody gets angry, somebody walks out, some door gets slammed, some, mm. some music gets turned on louder, all the negative things sometimes you get to see. That's what happens when statements are made. So I just want to say today that questions put the speaker and the listener on the same level. And that's what we want to do in a relationship, right? Mm. We're not about one person talking down to another person or one person talking up to another person. When you ask questions, it causes both the speaker and the listener to talk on the same level. And you know, that's so powerful, isn't it? Yuri, you want to share some of your experiences? Tell us, come. (laughs) Yeah, I love what you shared, Pastor. I have three adult children and a husband and been married for 25 years. And I love going on dates with my husband because I love to ask questions. (laughs) So whenever we go on a date, you know, I will... I'll be asking him questions. So like, what was your highlight this week? Or (laughs) what are some ways that I can love you better? You know, where do you think we are at? How can we grow as a couple? Uh, And and I'm married to a man who loves to talk and uh, is a storyteller. (laughs) So he's very happy uh, about me asking him all these questions. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And he's also a pastor. (laughs) He's also a pastor, yes. (laughs) Yes. I feel happy already, Maria. (laughs) (laughs) So just for the fun of it, you know, I would just ask him back, like, uh, have you thought of asking me any questions? Is there anything you would like to know about my life? (laughs) And he was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 of course. You know, and then he will, he will ask me questions back. Yeah. So I think it's just important to have a bit of fun, you know, if, especially if you're married to someone who is maybe uh, more of a talker and not much of a question asker. It doesn't have to be a problem. We can just kind of uh, bring in some humor and and get them, invite them to ask us some questions as well. At least that's how I do it. Yeah, I love wow. that. I, I love how the questions does not have to be one directional, you know, where you're asking that person, you know, and for that person to share their life with you. But it can also be flipped around, you know, so yes. that you can share so whatever's true. on your heart with that person as well. Yeah, that's exactly. so good. good. Yeah, so actually, maybe we can go into like, why do we ask questions? Like, what's the purpose? What's the heart behind asking questions? Pastor, I think you shared a little bit about it. Could you just go more in details for it? Well, yeah. You know, again, I just want to say that if we didn't catch that, this is so good. When you ask questions, you put yourself on the same level as the one you're speaking to. And I really want to put that across. Can't emphasize that better or more. Because mm. every time you make statements, there's a sense, I'm bigger than you. I know more than you. I'm talking down to you. And that's not what we want. Mm, yeah. And that's why, you know, I see that Jesus himself employed this in his ministry. And we're going to talk mm. a little bit about that. So, Where do you see this? Interestingly, I was just looking at this and I realized going through the scriptures that he asked questions. Wow, I I think more than 135 questions he asked through the scriptures. So one of the reasons he asks questions is to build relationships. And that's why we want to ask questions. Mm. 
What is the purpose of uh, parenting? Is to build relationships. It's not yeah. about who's smarter, who's wiser, who's older, who's taller. It's not about all that. It's about yeah. building relationships across the years, across the platforms. Mm. Another reason why we ask questions is to show an interest, right? And to desire to connect, a desire to communicate, a desire to find out about the other individual yeah. because you genuinely care. This is your yes. son, this is your daughter, or this is your wife, if that's applied yes. in a marriage situation. You want to show interest. And mm. interest causes the relationship to be cultivated, the romance to be strengthened, the parent-child bond to be strengthened, right? Is that right? Another mm. reason we ask questions is to maybe to kickstart someone to think about their, their approach, their angle, yeah. their point of view. You know, when you ask a question, the person starts thinking, right? But when you make statements, the person receives one end of the stick and he says, oh, what makes you think you're so right? I want to fight you mm. on this. I mm. think you're not so right because I think I'm right. So this whole issue of rightness and wrongness does not really apply when questions are asked. Statements are made, this thing comes across. But it causes somebody to, to start thinking. Is that right? And I mm. love that. And that's what Jesus himself does. And you know, the other point there is when you ask questions is it allows your youth to locate where they are at their point in life and mm. to articulate what's on their mind. And I think that's important. You know, I realize that kids sometimes just say the darndest things. They say whatever's in their mind. They don't think so well through it. They're speaking through their emotions. They're angry. They're frustrated. And so when you ask the questions like, son, is that what you really meant? Is that how you really felt? And you ask those questions, and is that what you want to really see in your life, for example? You're trying to get them to locate themselves. And I think it's really powerful, right? Because they yeah. themselves can't locate themselves because they're like confused, right? And if yeah. your parent also confused and makes statements, oh man, there's mm -hmm. World War Three in the house. And that's what we don't want, right? And I also believe that when you ask questions, it allows your youth to own their conclusions. So you know, they don't, they don't just buy into your conclusions, parent. They're not forced to accept your point of view. But when you ask them questions, they are allowed to think through it. They are allowed to form their own opinions. They are allowed to think through their conclusions. And finally, they'll reach an end point to say, you know, this is what I want to do. And then mm -hmm. they own it. And when they own something, they'll go through the distance with it. You know, they'll live mm -hmm. through it rather than I'm doing this because somebody else told me to do this. Is that right? Yeah. So I thought these are some of the very good reasons why questions should be asked and not statements made. And let me just quickly go through this, and I think it's really powerful. Where did Jesus, or how did Jesus employ this in his life? You find that Jesus at 12 years old, for example, you find a story in Luke chapter 2. And the Bible says that he was out in Jerusalem three days later. His parents couldn't find him. They went off back to where they were from. And then he, he was staying back in the temple. And the scripture says he both listened and asked questions. There it is mm -hmm. right there. He listened and asked questions of the teachers of the law. And it was the right thing to do for his age. Is that right? And he engaged the teachers. You notice? Mm -hmm. And I think if you made statements, and I think he could make statements because after all, he's, he's God in the flesh and yeah. I think he knew a little bit more than the rest, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And what resulted in the asking questions was they had great conversations around the temple and among the teachers of the law. And he was so building good. relationships. They were astonished with his answers. And you know what? Perhaps we may be astounded at our children's answers if we only ask questions. Mm. And I've been there before and... Sometimes I've asked the questions and they've come back with answers. I'm like, wow, 
is this my teenager speaking? There's so much mm. wisdom in that. Yeah. How come I didn't see that? Perhaps I'm seeing this with my old pair of lenses, my old thinking. I want to see it from their perspective, their thinking. And when you ask the questions and then they are going to answer you, perhaps you'll be in a situation like this, like Jesus at 12 years old. The Bible also says that he asked questions to Mary and Joseph, his mother and his dad. He said things like, why do you seek me when you know I should be going about my father's business? You notice it was such a nice approach to his parents when he asked those questions, right? He's trying to tell them, hey, could you just help me think this through? You know what I mean? Could you see this from my perspective? Here it is. I'm doing my father's work. Why do you seek me when you know that this is where I should be, right? And it's interesting. He wasn't rude, but the questions were, were, were good ways to reach out to his parents. Is that right? Yeah. You find another, another ex excellent example in Matthew 19. Here is Jesus speaking to the rich young ruler and Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? The rich man says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Remember the story? And then Jesus says, go and do the commandments. You know you know what to do, right? You know what to do. You shall not murder, you shall not steal, da, 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 da. And he says, all these things I've done from a, from a young age, you know the story, right? But the Bible says, you know, take all your goods and sell it. And the rich young ruler realized that this is one thing that he couldn't do. And interesting, again, it was a question that Jesus mm. asked that made the young man think. Notice, it was a rich, young ruler. Mm. You know, I think we have rich, young youth in our homes. Amen. <laughs> I choose to see it that way, right? Our beloved children are rich in the scriptures, mm. are rich yeah. in the love yeah. of God. And you know what? How do we approach somebody like this who asks these questions? How do we get them to possess their possessions? How mm. do we get them to think? How do you locate their hearts? How do you yeah. cause them to draw their own conclusions and make their own decisions? Perhaps our children are insistent on a certain way, a certain approach, and they refuse to give it up. And you know what, parents, your questions that you ask them will get them to see perhaps the folly of their ways. Mm. Will get them to see another angle, another direction that they can approach this issue from. That they will not immediately shut down, but they will be open because of your question to see a whole other angle that they did not see and that they may enter into life, you know. Is that what the story is all about? Mm -hmm. Another story you find is feeding the 5,000, for example, in John 6. And again, Jesus says, where shall we buy bread? He asked the disciples that these so many people may eat. But it's interesting, he knew what he was going to do because the Bible says he asked these questions to test them, to mm -hmm. find out what is in their hearts. So, you know what, sometimes when we ask questions to our kids, we can find out what's in their heart. Yeah, but when so we good. make statements, we brush their heart aside, we pour cold water on their feelings and emotions. We sometimes do not give credit to what they have to say. We don't allow them to think through a situation. Mm. The Bible says that Jesus knew exactly what he wanted to do. He knew that he himself was going to provide for the kids, for the 5,000. You yourself, parents, know what you need to do. But you know what? Do your kids know what to do? Does mm. a young adult know what to do? And so your questions will point them in the right direction. He wanted to know what they were thinking. He wanted to locate them. He wanted to find out where their heart is. And I just want to tell you, parents, this is where we want to bring our kids to the right questions, cause them to make good decisions. Amen. Mm. Another wonderful, I know there's so many to share here. And here you find in Matthew 16, Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? Another beautiful question. What was that question all about? To locate where Peter was. To see if Peter knew that he was talking to the son of the living God. You are the Christ, 
the son of the living God. And his one answer, I think, ministered to all the rest of the disciples. But it was a question that set him thinking. It was a question that set Peter on this path, on the search. What is it that I really believe for my life? What is it that I really believe? Again, another location question. Do you see a similar location question in the, in the book of Genesis? Yes. You find God against the pre-incarnate form of Christ, again asking Adam, Adam, where are you? And Adam was hiding in the bushes. It wasn't a question of, yes, which bush were you hiding in or at, Adam? It was, Adam, what are you doing with your life? Mm. Where are you, Adam? Why do you do what you did? It's such a loaded question. And Adam understood exactly where God was with this, going with this. And he realized, you know, and then he answered. And you know what? God was still ministering to Adam at that point in time as he ministered to Peter and the disciples. Mm. A good question will help our children come back to their true identity. I really believe that. Mm. Because you know why? They are are Jesus' kids first. And when you ask a question, hey son, do you know who you are? You're a child of the living God, son. Mm. Do you know that you're a Jesus' kid, son? What a good question, right? You immediately push them back to a realization of their identity in Christ. And Jesus moved with compassion, the Bible says. It's interesting, another story you find in Matthew 20. He approaches two blind men and he asks the question, which is in most parts the most redundant question. What do you want me to do for you? (laughs) You know, come on. (laughs) These are two blind men and everybody knew they were blind. So perhaps, parents, you see your child going through situations, you see their situations and you know what they're going through, but you know, you don't shame them or say things negatively to them, but you ask them a question that helps them locate themselves. Mm. And he asked the question to the two blind men Jesus did. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, they said, Lord, that we may see. (laughs) Again, I really think he asked the question to the two blind men because he wanted them to own their healing. He wanted them to come out and speak it out by saying, this is what I want. And you know, when your children own a situation, when they own a solution, they will run with that solution and it'll be a good solution for the rest of your lives, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus said to another person, a woman with the issue of blood, who touched me? Another brilliant question. Again, the touch was a touch of faith, right? And he asked the woman so that he could empower the woman. Is that right? Mm. So that the woman could receive the fullness, not only the dried up issue of blood, but wholeness and healing in her body. You know what? That's exactly what your kids want. They want wholeness. They want a restoration. They want a completeness. And every time you ask a question and you seek out their hearts, you're building a relationship. You're causing them to rise up and be healed of their infirmities. That's exactly what causes them to be empowered in life because they take ownership of what they want and they run with it. I just thought that these many pointers in the scriptures about the biblical way of asking questions will teach us so much, parents. I just want to leave you with that at this point in time. Wow, Pastor, that was so rich. Like, I I really love how, like, you took time to go through all the, I mean, not all, like some of the different stories that Jesus asked questions in. And that's, that's so amazing for us because the Lord left the entire Bible, right, for us to read through, to meditate on, so to, to just chew on um, and, and really just get the essence out of it. And I love that Jesus is the one modeling the way for us. I Amen. think this was what we mentioned in the previous episodes that, Amen. hey, you know, like parent, let Jesus parent us first and then we see the way he parents us and then we will parent like he does. 
Yeah, so it's really Jesus modeling the way, you know, to ask questions, um, build conversations, I mean, have conversations, build relationships, share perspectives, make people think, locate their hearts. There's so many different purposes and so many different reasons why Jesus uses questions. And it's really not about us doing anything new on our end, um, but it's really just doing as Jesus does, right? So um, perhaps, Pastor, can we just go a little bit more in detail about like the relationship building aspect? Because I think our youths want the relationship. Right, they may seem like they don't want to be talking to their parents, but actually they do. The, yes. the, in their heart of hearts, they want to talk to their parents, yes. and they want that relationship with their parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, how can we go about that relationship building aspect of asking questions? Awesome. You know, parents. I know you love your children. I do mine, and that's what we want to do, right? God gave them to us so that God wants us to train them up in the ways of the Lord to build a relationship. I really see that in the scriptures, and I love it when Jesus. When he asked questions, he addressed three fundamental areas in the people's life. So I'm going to challenge you, parents, go through the scriptures, even as Christy has said, and just weed out those questions that Jesus asked. He asked so many yeah. questions. And you'll notice that every time he asked the questions, he was addressing three fundamental areas. And these are basically worry, doubt, and fear. Mm. And I know, parents, you also have worry, doubt, and fear. And I pray that you will ask the right questions of God. Because God's asking you these questions. Son, what do you want me to do for you? My precious daughter, what do you want me to do for you? And he wants to, and Jesus himself wants to remove that worry, doubt, and fear in your hearts, parents. But you know what? Your children are going through worry, doubt, and fear every single day. You know, you have gone through so many more years of life than they have. They are, they are new at this. School is new. Relationships are new. Friends are new. Scenarios in their life are brand new. They've never gone through this before never been hurt before, never been disappointed before. I just want to say your children are going through these things so often, worry, doubt, and fear. But you know what? Why do you do, why do, you do what you do, parents? It's because you love them, right? Hmm. And I find one of the best questions Jesus ever asked in the Bible was he asked Peter in John 21. He said, Peter, do you love me? Wow, do you love me? And it was, you know the answer. Peter says, you know, Lord what I'm capable of. But it was such a location question. It was such a question that reached out to his heart. And it wrenched Peter's heart. Do you love me? Is what Jesus asked him. So perhaps you want to come back, parents, to the place where it all began, to start from or to return to a place of love. You love your child. And that's what relationship building is all about. You love your child. You want to establish your relationship with your child that you love. He did that with Peter. So when you ask questions, don't ask questions to probe. You know, I've done this so many times as a parent. You know, we, we're always in a questioning mode. I always see myself in a fighting mode. Can I just be very real with you? I'm just fighting, 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 because I think I'm right. So when that comes out of my heart and my mouth, it tends to be probing questions, interrogating questions, fact-finding questions fault-finding questions or statements. Sorry, I only want to ask questions. At many times, I'll move from one question to 10 statements. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Everything crashes because by the second statement, they've stopped listening. Mm -hmm. You know what? It is, you know, I just want to tell parents here that it is good to be curious, to be interested, to find out what your kids are doing. What, what, are, they, what are they going through? What do they understand? So, you know, we all know this and we've heard, learned this many times through school and workplaces, communications about asking questions, not making statements. 
because statements don't build relationships. So good questions lower the defenses of your children. Good questions changes the tone and atmosphere in that season, in that communication, in that home. And that's why when you ask questions, and you know, one of these things, I've, I've been learning this through the years, is I've started to ask, to make it a habit to ask questions. When I started to learn my, my weaknesses, and my wife pointed it out to me as well, because I came from a home where questions were never asked. It was always statements. And I learned and I remembered I was always put down and I felt really negative and bad all the time. And many times I didn't want to speak to my parents. So I came from that kind of an environment. Wow. And when I came into my own home, I did the same things and I stopped being curious. I stopped being inquisitive. I stopped asking questions and loving on my kids. So I learned over the years and this is something that I, I just deliberately launched into because I I'd received so many good teachings in church. And I just said, you know what, I just want to start building a habit, build a habit of asking questions, to be curious about my child's life, to be inquisitive about their day. When I see a negative attitude, a bad face, a rolling of the eyes, I don't jump to conclusions straight away. I'll mm. start asking questions randomly so that the child will open up, right? Yeah. I want to ask questions so that, you know, I'll create the openness, the spaces and platforms for them to share. Sometimes they may not be willing to share but sometimes if you keep on asking the questions at the appropriate time, parents, not badgering them with questions all the time. <laughs> and even there, there's a discernment required. There's a wisdom required. God will give you that. And so that when you ask them the questions, you're, you're seeking to know them, to understand them. And so I'll ask some ridiculous questions. So how was your tetare today? And I know they did not drink tetare, right? You know, I'll ask a question like something they don't like to eat, you know. You know, let's say, for example, my child doesn't like uh, brinjols or, or onions. I said, hey, how was the onions in that burger that you had today? And I know they didn't have burgers. They didn't have onions. And they said, what are you talking about, Dad? Why well, didn't have burgers? You know, I hate onions. I just got them to start talking, you notice? Mm. And it's a ridiculously random question that does not need an answer. I'm not going to get into trouble and fight with them on this. It's just to get them to open up. And then, yeah. lo and behold, very soon, I'll be asking other questions that will be ministering to their point of need. And that's how wise parents come in. And I want to be fun and playful and I want to be exploratory and I don't want to be preachy. I want, I want to, you know, sometimes jump into those secular bandwagons and, and ask about ridiculous things and, you know, um, hey, what, where is BTS performing today? You know? Or, you know, I mean, why do they call it Blackpink? Are they trying to be funny? You know, all these funny things, right? It's such a ridiculous mm. thing. But yet I'm, I'm, I'm making conversation with my teenager because, hey, these things mean the world to them, right? And they, and they mm -hmm. follow this through and all that. So parents, you're interested in your youth's life. You're, we're talking about building relationships, right? Not because you want to bring them under your control. You're interested. You're curious. You want to learn from them. And so let me just end with these three things which I realized that made so much of a difference in my life. Number one, you know, when you ask questions, focus on the approach. The first mm -hmm. A is approach. So you lean into them, right? Your approach is very important. The atmosphere, the tone, the way you ask questions, not to intimidate them, not to frustrate them, not to make them even more angry like the Malays say, you chocho them. And if you understand that, you understand it because it's so good. Chocho means you poke them until you get a response. And then that's not the, that's not the <laughs> approach. You, secondly, it's the word acknowledge. So your, your approach, pay attention to your approach. 
how you approach your question is important. Then you acknowledge or you pay attention to what they say. Don't run them down. Don't say something or don't let this be a launchpad to your preaching when they say something. Acknowledge what they say. Pay attention to what they say. Whatever and however ridiculous it sounds, pay attention to it. Don't pick on it. Don't fight on it. Pay attention to what they say. And you know what you want to say? You know, I hear you, man. That's so good, man. All right. And that will give you, bring it to another A, which is affirm. You ask them questions on how they feel, how they thought about what they just said, instead of jumping in to preach. So I just want to say that when your child feels valued at home, I just want to say this, when a child feels valued at home, they win the fights of life outside of home. Can I just say this? I did not, I was not the originator of the statement. Let me just say it again. When a child feels valued at home, they win the fights of life outside of home. Those very words came from our senior pastor, Joseph Prince. And I just want to say to you that, you know, it's just been such a help to me. When your child feels valued at home, they win the fights of life outside home. And secondly, he said this, acknowledge the feelings of your children. You know, sometimes they have many feelings, but if they don't share their feelings at home, where would they share their feelings? Outside? People will not appreciate their feelings outside. But if they, no one appreciates their feelings at home, they are stuck. They are put into a box. They'll get frustrated. Acknowledge their feelings at home. He said that as well. When they're feeling angry, acknowledge it. Don't jump on it. If they're feeling frustrated, acknowledge it. Speak with them through it. You know, when they're feeling down, ask them, you know, why are they feeling down? Instead of saying things like, you know, you know, no child of mine will be depressed. No child of mine will ever feel down because your parents are such light bulbs in the house. You know, we don't go down this path, you know. As much as we want to say that, we will not say, you know, we'll say, you know, son, you know, I can understand what you feel. You had a tough day in school. Wow, I can understand yeah. that. You know, you had some difficulties. Okay, acknowledge their feelings. Children don't behave right unless they feel right. Again, another statement that Senior Pastor Joseph Prince said, children don't behave right unless they feel right. Don't focus on their behavior modification. Focus mm. on the fact that you want to build a relationship with them. Amen? Amen. Amen. We hear you, okay. Pastor. And that's wow. really yes. so good. I'm just learning from what you said just now. Right? I hear you and it's so good. And mm. I think this bears repeating, right? That um, honestly, parents and youths, right? See ourselves on the same side. Because don't, don't come off from the point that we are fighting and we're trying to win a war. We're not. We're all on the same side because both parties actually want to build a relationship, yeah. right? We want to build this relationship together. And, and I love what you said, Pastor, when we get into the habit of asking questions, these are relationship-building questions, not interrogative, probing questions. We kind of create a safe space for all kinds of conversations to take place at home. And I mm. think that's what parents want, right? They want to be able to speak into the lives of their children. They want to be able to impart wisdom. And it starts off when we can create that safe space for conversations to actually happen. And I know parents, this is what we're all after, yeah, so Pastor, you mentioned that approach is really, really key. And, and I think it's time for us to really dive into talking about the approach, right? Like, um, Miriam, you've been really quiet the whole time. How, how would you approach your child to create the safe space for conversations to happen? Yeah, what, what are your best techniques? 
Well, first of all, I was quiet because I was really listening and leaning in. Uh, <laughs> That's so and good. And I, I really enjoyed the sharing. I wish I knew a lot of these things earlier on, yeah, I must too. say. Yeah, so thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for sharing, Pastor. And, and I think uh, as parents, we really want to have these conversations. We want to build relationships. But yeah. then, you know, there are times that it's not really the case. Uh, maybe the, our, our teen is super open and sociable and likable and happy out there, you know, like in church, yep. at school. Yep. But then at home, they just shut down, they go to their rooms and and we don't really have those kind of conversations that we wish yeah. we had, you know, so the yeah. ones that Pastor, Pastor you shared about just now. Like we, so we can't really see that in, in our own families. So I think uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from right now. Like what, how do we approach that kind of a situation? And I think um, it's so important that we, when, when this is the case, that we don't uh, target the, the, our teen as you have a problem, you need to be fixed. You know, maybe I'll send you for counseling so that we can sort this out. Yeah. Um, so um, I think my, my first tip and also to myself is maybe as parents, let's take a look at ourselves. You know, let's ask ourselves some questions because this whole podcast is about asking questions, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. And so we can actually ask ourselves some questions. You know, am I contributing to this um, situation at home? Is there something that I am doing that is causing my teen to shut down? Is there a reason, you know, something that I am doing or saying or not doing or saying that, it, that makes my, my teen not want to talk to me? So if we can have these real questions and and really be honest with ourselves together with the Lord and maybe also together with our our partner mm -hmm. uh, to have these conversations like how how are we doing in our parenting and it's so important to see that as our teen grows from being a little child to becoming a teen our parenting approach also has to change yeah. so maybe we are stuck in one of the you know the way we used to parent them as a toddler or a primary school It, it has to change, you know. So it's just a time of being vulnerable as parents and, and to see where am I at? What is my tone like? How wow. is my attitude? Am I wow. too strict? Am I too lenient? Am I lecturing? Uh, am I talking too much? Am I nagging? And even, you know, like, how do I actually see my teen? Do, do I see my teen as inadequate? Do I see my teen as lazy? You know, <laughs> not not so bright, you know, that I need to tell them what to do all the time. So good. And, and even ask myself, like, do I even know my teen? And uh, why am I saying no to these things? Why am I, I setting the boundaries that I'm setting that may, maybe is causing the tension with my teen, right? And am I stuck in my old ways? <laughs> mm. And is there a way that I can communicate differently? And what would help me open up? So this is really a vulnerable time as parents, and I've gone through this myself, to just pause, be still with the Lord and and uh, like renew our vision, right? And renew our approach. So this is a tip to really uh, ask yourselves questions as parents. And and again, this is not to be fault finding, you know, like uh, like to find faults with ourselves. That That's not the point. But it's me really more about being conscious and being aware and also that we are learning and growing as parents. Beautiful. You know, when a teen shuts down, uh, I, like I mentioned, we tend to think that it's uh, the, the teen has a problem. But do, do you know, like whenever a teen shuts down, it's actually relationship problem. So uh, you were sharing just now, Pastor, that it's really all our questions is about building that relationship. Amen. So if we can see it's, it's not the teen's problem, it's not even necessarily the parent's problem, but it's a relationship problem. 
so we want to look for ways to build that relationship afresh with our teen. Another tip in, in this area of asking ourselves uh, questions as parents is that we have a vision. What's the vision we want for our family? What kind of atmosphere <laughs> do we want in our home? And how do we want to treat one another? It, it all kind of goes back to we want to build a relationship and we want to have the vision fresh in our hearts. Yes. Like, what are we about as a family? And then I was reminded of this verse in First uh, Peter 3, uh, verse 8 to 10. I'll just read it because it's so beautiful. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be cautious, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, which means insult for insult. Beautiful. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil Amen. and his lips from speaking deceit. So my point in this is like, let's have a vision and align our beautiful. tongue with the vision that God has given us for our families. We want to have beautiful days, happy days, fun times in our families. And as parents, we need to guard our mouth. Like what kind of questions do we ask and what are we saying and speaking and declaring over our children? That's so yeah, cool. so that. That was like the first point as parents, let's ask ourselves these questions. And my second point is ask your teen some questions. And this <laughs> is uh, very uh, interesting. And this is more coming from a, an approach of I want to learn from you. Yes. Um, because sometimes we're just stuck, you know, in our relationship with our teen. It's like no matter what we do as a parent, we, we can't get through to them. We're stuck in like some tension and we don't know what, how to move forward. And I've been there, you know. And this is when I learned that, Miriam, you can actually go and ask your, your teen, how can you become a better parent? Mm -hmm. So I did that. I, I went into his room. And I asked him, you know, like whatever I'm doing as a parent is really not working apparently. Like wow. I, I really want to love you well. I do <laughs> love you so much, you know, but I don't really know how to parent wow. you well right now. Could you share with me what would help you? And what is it that I am doing that is causing tension between us? Can you share with me? Uh, so even just asking that question, it, it kind of opened my heart and it opened also my son's heart. He didn't actually have a lot of answers for me, you know, but I think just coming to him with that approach, not scolding, but really, I really want to learn. I want to solve this because I really do care about you. Uh, so that kind of softened both our hearts and it opened up a way for us to have deeper conversations moving forward. And it also kind of showed me that each of our children, like what you mentioned, Pastor, they are different. So like one parenting style might work with one of your kids, but then it's really not like, it's not <laughs> reaching through to the other son yeah, or daughter so that true. you have. So, so it's like being uh, open and vulnerable to see uh, that approach is not working. I really want to learn your ways. What is it that communicates mm. love to you? So as parents, let's uh, have, uh, you know, that humility and and softer approach that we want to learn from, from our teen. Wow. And, and a third point when it comes to approach is where do we ask the questions? <laughs> um, like where we have our conversations really matter, you know. So for the less intense ones, uh, we can have uh, conversations more face-to-face. -face. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can look each other in the eye. We can have a bit of fun. We can go out for a meal together. We can invite them out for ice cream. Uh, something that they enjoy and just 
have conversations that are all about, I want to get to know you. Let's just have fun and get to know each other better. Mm -hmm. So just for the fun of it, I Googled, like, what are some questions <laughs> parents can ask their kids? Uh, so I want to share a few with you. Uh, number one, what are the different cliques or social groups in your school and which one, if any, are you in? Mm -hmm. So with this question, I'm really getting to know where are they at in school. Uh, and then uh, another one is, do you have a celebrity crush? Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> what is the coolest app that I don't have on my phone? And a fourth question is, what is the most embarrassing thing that I do? Number five, who wow. do you eat lunch with at school? Beautiful. Number six, how would you describe my parenting style? Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Number seven, what bands are you listening to these days? Mm. And I love this one. Number eight, can you play me one of their best songs? Ooh. And they would love that, you know. They would want to show you what they're listening to, that you are interested, you know, to sit there with the, the ear pod and you listen to this together. Super fun. Number nine, who would you say is your best friend right now? Mm. Number 10, where would be an awesome place to go for a family vacation? So these are just great questions to get to know them. What are they dreaming of? What's happening at school? How do they see you? What are they listening to? So I love, love, love these kind of questions. Do them face to face in a fun kind of environment. Another uh, a way to ask questions like where is side by side? And this is more about maybe the more intense kind of uh, questions or conversations that you need to have. Maybe you need to correct something. Uh, and it can be very intense to look each other uh, eye to eye. <laughs> so yeah. It's better to be <laughs> side by side. So like an example is to uh, like go on a car ride together. You're sitting in the front seats and having a conversation. Uh, it can be that you go for a walk together or you do the dishes together. You are, you are together, but it's side by side. And I love this as well. And so this is where you can, you can share things like, um, I'm struggling with the way that you are treating your, maybe for me, since I'm a mom, like how you're treating your dad, you know, it seems like you're quite upset with, with him for something. Do you mind sharing or what, what is it that you feel that he needs to change? Or is this something mm. about yourself that you need to change? So it's still a very soft approach. It's side by side, but it allows them to think and also to inform us, you know, like what can we do better to change things? So these are some tips. So like as number one, as parents, let's, let's ask ourselves some questions. Number two is ask your team some questions so that you can learn from them. And number three is where do you ask questions is face to face or side by side? Wow. I love it. Miriam, you know, when you talk about like going for walks, it reminds me of like the conversations that I've had to have with my husband. And he always tells me like motion creates emotions. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's so good, right? Motion wow. creates emotions. So as yes. we walk, as we walk, we used to take really long walks together, like two to three hour long walks and we walk wow. through the day. Yeah, and as we walk, we talk about so many things under the sun. We talk about the random stuff in the park. We talk yes. about the people. We talk about our issues as well. And mm. when we have really difficult times, topics to you know broach love it <laughs> we will yes. bring it up during the walks and then like you know it, it's it's such a convenient space for us to like just diffuse the situation when it gets too you know tense between the two of us but yet at the same time we can kind of like take time you know to talk about it to walk it out you know and, yep. and to bring in the lord as we go on our walks with mm. the lord yeah Amen. that's such a good suggestion 
And you're right, Christy. I just have to say this because whatever you're sharing is so true. So like the tips we're sharing in this podcast, right, is not just relevant for families, you know. Right. It's super good also for marriages. Absolutely. Yes, that's so yeah. true. Pastor, what about yes. your best approaches? Oh, wow. You know, I'm, I'm just... I'm just, I was just so taken in by what uh, Miriam says. I love what you said, Miriam, about humility. And I think, I think you know, can I just again be vulnerable? I needed to be humble before my kids. I think right. we've shared this before in a podcast. And one of the things we shared even under when we talked about empathy is just to come back to a place of meekness, a mm. level of humility. You know, how do you ask, you know, Miriam, how in the world did you ask your child, how can I be a better parent? <laughs> Which How do you find me as a parent? Wow. Correct. How, whoever even asked that kind of question? Oh, could you suggest some ways I can improve myself as being a parent? <laughs> wow. Who would even ask a question like this? Yeah. But it's such a good question. Mm. Or oh, son, daughter, where do you think I failed as being a parent? Could you tell me mm. where I can improve? Wow, that takes a whole lot of humility. So, you know, these are some of the questions that really perhaps locate us. Mm, and yeah. then it gives the opportunity for the child himself, herself, you know, to show them that hey, even a parent wants to learn yeah, and yeah. want to come alongside you. And yeah. again, we're talking about approach here today. So, you know, I just feel that sometimes one, some of the best approaches, and you shared some of this, Miriam, uh, uh, also is humor, you know. Mm. And I just want to say that humor works wonders. And that's why, I've, you know, even as I was sharing earlier, you know, it's just amazing how you inject some ridiculous uh, statement or you make some, trying to think of some humorous things. It always comes out on the spur of the moment, you know. Yeah. I find that the more ridiculous you are, the more they'll tend to pay attention to your nonsense. <laughs> true, true. And then, you know what I mean? It's it's all about investing into their lives, right? It's mm. about I thought you were going to say it's all about being ridiculous faster. It's about being ridiculous, <laughs> you're right. It's also about investing and making them feel that I'm one of you. I'm just with yeah. you yeah, here. Yeah. I'm a parent. Yet I can also be a friend. I'm very approachable. Yeah. I, I understand what makes you laugh about an issue. If it tickles you, it can also tickle me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that sort of thing puts us again. I'm always looking for opportunities to put us both on the same level. Mm. Although I know I'm a parent and that will never change. Yeah. I know yeah. I'm a parent and we as parents should never forget we are parents. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes sure. to conversations, we want to put mm. ourselves on the same level. Even as Jesus did, we talked about this when he was 12 years old. He sat with the teachers of the law. He was asking questions. He's putting themselves in a very comfortable position. You know, being with them and not being too smart, not being too, you know, I mean, not put not, together. Yes, not all together yeah. put there, not all together yeah. well. So I love that. So humor works wonders and inject, hu inject humor, it reduces tensions. Yeah. That's how we want to approach, you know, uh, this when you're talking with your child about. Mm. And the other thing I just want to say to you that, you know, children tended to be very emotional. Parents, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know whether you see that in your kids, because I saw that in my kids. I see them sometimes, you know, being, you know, they tend to be a little more morose. They tend to be a little more absorbed in themselves. They tend to think that the issues of the world are so very important that it affects their whole life. Everything mm. around them is important. Everything people say is important. They're all very emotional, you know. I just tend to see that. I know some parents are emotional. I'm, um. I'm, I'm also given to some emotion at times. But I find that sometimes the, the young adults, the youths in our midst, our teenagers they tend to be a little more emotional and we can sort of narrow this down to the prefrontal cortex. So those of you who have never understand what this is, it's the portion of your brain that is involved in decision-making and emotions. It's right there in the front. 
and they tend to be not so developed until they are about 20, 25 years old. Little different for girls than guys. Girls tend to develop this a little faster. But you're looking at about 20 to 25. So you imagine if your teenager comes in, they're not 20 or 25 years old. They tend to be moved by these emotions. And that's what they are moved by. And so their responses may be then moved by the emotions. And that's why two people who are emotional cannot be in the same room together. So parents, you need to be cool. <laughs> you need to be less emotional. That's you need right. to be the parent and the adult <laughs> in the situation. Mm. And if they they are triggered by whatever, you cannot be triggered because you are you have a very fully formed prefrontal cortex. Mm. <laughs> and I just want to say to you that you can be cool and calm and you can pull the conversation back to earth and you yeah. can make things funny and you can throw in a joke, you can make things light. When things seem to be a little heavy and strong, you can sort of pull back a little bit and ask them some strange questions like who are their famous idols and their favorite uh, bands and what are the songs, everything... I love the questions that uh, Miriam yeah. asked. All the questions there, which are such good starter questions. You can ask many of these questions. You can Google the questions. Yes. I'm sure there are more from where uh, Miriam found them from. There's so, lots and lots. <laughs> there's yeah. lots and lots of yes. questions. So we can just not be so emotional. Next point I just wanted to say is knowing that the child can't respond rationally and will respond emotionally, but is on a discovery journey. That's exactly what teenagers are, they may not respond rationally. Their emotions can be strung up, can be tightened. You know, they, they are on a discovery journey of themselves. They are on a discovery journey of their environment, of their situations, of their friends, of their journey in school, in their life. You know, we need to just come alongside that. And, and you know, honestly, we're just talking about the approach, right? Talk mm. about where they are, come down to their journey, be humble, understand what they see, uh, engage them in their conversations mm. about very mundane and ridiculous things. Can we just do that? So I just want to say that they're on a journey of discovery and we just need to come alongside that journey. And if we jump in and judge them too soon, yeah. it may be mm. a, a battle that we have lost. It'll be a conversation that we've never had and never could understand them. They have mm. premature thoughts. They have not so developed prefrontal cortexes. They've got many opinions. They've got many fears, worries, and doubts. They mm. want to be in the in crowd. They want to be part of the who's who in the group. They want to know and, and, and feel that they are, they, are, they are involved. And they want to know if their parents understand this and mm. their parents can and flow with them on this. And it's our part, parents, by right questions, by the approach of humility in our hearts, to come alongside them and to yep. steer them in the right direction, to yeah. guide them. That's what the scriptures have asked us mm. to do, to train up our child. Yes, in the way of the Lord, but don't put it down so hard that they only see God as a taskmaster, a yeah. judge, a lawgiver, but come alongside them, listen to what they say and steer them in the right direction. It's called mm. steering them. You know how they say about the Titanic, it is so big that a few inches wrong, you can actually detour a whole few miles, you know. Wow. That's how we steer mm. a child. We mm. take a little bit of an inch away to the left or to the right from where they're thinking. Mm. And then we change their perspective and the end result will be very good. Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say? Thank just to you. give you an example, right? So our youths have the Holy Spirit in them. I just want us to know that. And you know what? Those things that we fail 
the Spirit of God will teach them. Amen. If the Spirit of God doesn't teach them, the Spirit of God will teach you, parent. But the key thing once again, 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 is be cool, be <laughs> calm, be patient. <laughs> you know, Amen. don't jump to conclusions. Mm. That's the key thing here, right, parents? Just want to tell you that, and I know you will dispense wise counsel by the Holy Spirit, Amen. and you will empower Amen. your youth to step out and take their portion in this world. Amen? Nice. So I'm going to jump in and ask these two really cool, calm, rational parents some scenarios (laughs) and we'll quickly run through them, right? Because these scenarios are probably real, you know, and happening in your own home's parents. So perhaps imagine this with us, right? Miriam, imagine this scenario. Your teenage son, not your actual son, your teenage son comes home from school, ignores everyone at home, heads straight to his computer, logs onto his RPG game and goes at it till late. When and how would you engage him in a conversation? (laughs) Oh, that's so good. (laughs) It actually may be my son, huh? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not saying your son. (laughs) Well, I think first, uh, I have like, some principles I go by. So I, I always think spirit, soul, and body. Amen. So I think like from a spiritual point of view, I, I cry out, Jesus, help. <laughs> okay. So, so good. good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> and also like on the spiritual side, I will I remind myself uh, this statement, live loved, live loving. So I always remind myself, Miriam, you are so loved. And whatever you do now, you are there to love, right? Because I'm so loved, good. I can love. And then from the soul point of view, I will check, am I angry? If I'm very, very angry and very agitated, I'm very triggered, then I tell myself, you need to calm down. Just like what Pastor said just now, calm you down. See, you're <laughs> a calm and rational parent. <laughs> I, cannot, I cannot step in if I'm angry so you know, and triggered. Uh, so I need to calm down. I may need to vent with my hubby. And I, I tell myself again, you know, like this is all about keep the relationship because if you don't have relationship, I don't have a voice in his life. Amen. That's so so I need to have the relationship so that I can impart wisdom and like what you mentioned, you know, like to steer in the right direction, but subtly, right? And then uh, I would think about body. So it's spiritual and body. My body, what is my body language? Am I rested? Am I in an open, like... Or am I confrontational? <laughs> yes. So these are just like my way of thinking before I step into something like this. And actually, this situation kind of actually happened. Uh, like, uh, because I have two sons and they do game a lot. Uh, so what I would do is I would go in to his room and I would ask him, what is it that you like so much about this game? <laughs> <laughs> and then I would try, I would ask him, can I try? Nice. And so this, this actually happened, you know. Yeah. So I, I thought, wow, he's gaming so much. Then I, I, I went in and can, I, can you show me what is it you like? You find so intriguing about this game. So I sat next to him and he showed me how to play. And then I played and he laughed his head off. He thought it was so funny. <laughs> yes, actually, like that's a- the point. The youth <laughs> enjoy seeing parents and adults around them make a fool of themselves, exactly. actually. Yes, yes. Exactly. So he took out his phone. He was videoing me and taking photos. You know, this, uh, <laughs> this mom, this crazy mom is trying to learn his game. Uh, and then from there, because I kind of broke the tension, right? And then yes. we, I say, hey, why don't we just go out and eat something, you know? And then during our meal, 
you can have conversations, you know, kind of not so not like directly about why are you gaming so much, but yeah. <laughs> uh, like what's the dream for your life? Kind of point back to vision. Yeah. What's your sense of purpose? What's What matters to you? You know, do you think maybe this gaming kind of steals away time from what truly matters to you? So I try to kind of Beautiful. go around it. Yeah. So these are just some tips and this is one way that it can be so approached. good. So good. Pastor, your question, your scenario is your teenage daughter comes home looking positively crossed at the entire world. She slams the door to her room and blasts her music. Your wife tried to talk to her, but got her head bitten off. How would you approach your daughter in this instance? Yeah, Christy, you sure you weren't in our house recently? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is, this is some, something that, um, yeah, that has, has happened in our home. I've got two teenage, I've got two daughters and two sons. And this has happened. And sometimes when they're coming back and they are angry with the world, angry with things that have happened in school, they don't want to talk about it. Many of the times they don't want to. They just go to their rooms. They're frustrated and they slam the door, blast music. Yeah, sometimes they put it in the iPods and sometimes you don't hear. They're in a whole new world. You call them 10 times, they won't listen to you because they're just filled in their own little space. And, uh, you know, usually something like this, when something like this happens, I, exactly as Miriam says, I let them alone for a while because mm -hmm. I know that, uh, you know, if I was in that situation, I would put myself in that situation. I want my, um, a little bit of a time off. I yeah. need to cool down. I personally, and I know that if this one particular daughter who does that, she's a little bit like me. You can't just approach it. You can jump into something like this quickly mm -hmm. and it'll make matters worse. And sometimes my wife does that. And I keep telling her, don't do that. And then she gets her head bitten off. That's why I told you, Christy, you were in our home recently, you know. I said, let her be, just let her be for a bit. So we have our conversations in. And I says, you know what? Okay, I will deal with it. or we'll talk about it later. And mm. give her some time. She calms down. She cools down. She listens to whatever she wants to listen to. And then before long, I'll then make the approach. And I says, you know what? You know what? Can we talk about this? Mm. Or many times, even as uh, uh, Miriam says, food is the, the icebreaker. Yeah. Always is because they come back. I'm sure they are hungry. They didn't eat enough in school. There's always good food in the home. I say, come, let's have something to eat. All the whole family is gathering for our lunch. Let's just gather. Or if you didn't have your lunch, you know, come, let's just come and eat something. And mm. just to pull them out of the room. And again, be very gentle, very discerning in our conversation. Even as Miriam said, she covered it all, man. She said just now that she'll ask <laughs> the dainty questions, not the strong questions. Not about mm. life at that point in time. No scolding. But, yeah. you know, I just want to tell her, you know, if, is there something you can talk about? Is there something mm. that's bothering you right now? Many times I'll start, start with a joke, start with something absolutely random, make some ridiculous comment about something that's going on outside. Nothing, you know, I'm just, just to break the ice. Mm. And I really feel that that helps many times. Humor, as I said earlier, always yeah. helps because it doesn't help that two frustrated people around the same mm. table. You can only meet frustration with humor, I feel. Mm. And that sort of breaks it down. That works, you know what I mean? It changes the subject. It changes the atmosphere. So that's what I tend to do. And it usually gets uh, things moving. Sometimes it doesn't work, uh, but trial and error. And no point for me jumping, putting a timeline on this. Sometimes she needs an yeah. hour, sometimes yeah. a few hours, sometimes half a day. Sometimes I let her sleep over it at night. And the mm. next day, she's perfectly Good. normal. Yeah. I just want to say this. There's no right and wrong approach here, mm. but... Again, it's just being patient, yeah. uh, being humble, everything that we've shared earlier, mm -hmm. uh, not being pushy, being measured in our tone and approach and, mm -hmm. and guarding the atmosphere, 
knowing one thing for sure, we want to build a relationship with the child mm. because somewhere, somehow she's hurt and we yeah. want to deal with that hurt in her life. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. Wow, I really love such calm, rational responses. That's really so good. Um, I'm going to squeeze in one last scenario. Um, so, Miriam, you noticed your teenage daughter is getting increasingly withdrawn. You love asking questions and you've always asked her questions and the questions always worked. But somehow, they stopped working. They stopped working. Yeah, so she used to tell you everything about her life, everything that happened in school, everything about her friends, but now she doesn't seem to want to oh, do so dear. anymore. How do you change your approach to her? Uh, no, so I will always do the same thing, right? Spirit, soul and body. I will just like do a, a check on, on where, where am I at in, in, in my approach. And I forgot to mention in the previous example, I will also remind myself about LEAP, L-E-A-P, right? Right. That I'm there mm. to listen, to empathize, to ask questions and to point and pray with them. So it's, it's like just a fresh reminder, you see. So in a case like this, and I will remind myself that these kind of issues, they're always, it's a relationship issue. So I see where she's coming from. Like most likely she feels unloved. Uh, she feels maybe I haven't been paying attention to her. She feels alone, rejected, something like that. There's some relationship stuff going on. So I will step in and I would say something like, I, I love you. I really love you. Wow. Uh, you don't really seem yourself lately. Uh, shall we go out for a walk? Because this is the side-by-side -side thing, right? Shall we mm. go for a walk? Yeah, I really, <laughs> I'm just here to talk or hear you talk. I'm here to listen to you if you feel like talking. Wow. Uh, or I like, shall we go? i my life out to you. <laughs> anyway. uh, I'm next. Stop, stop. Right? <laughs> You're so good at this. Sorry, please continue. No, so just something like that. Shall we go for a walk? Or do you, shall we go out and, and have an uh, ice cream somewhere? You know, just do something I know that she would appreciate. Uh, so I wouldn't like... Um, talk about why are you not talking to me you you are so different so I like I wouldn't attack the situation but just wow. aff affirm her and tell her wow, that I love beautiful. her and sometimes you know it would take she would say yes I'm really happy to go for a walk with you or maybe she would need a little bit more time but then I would tell her you know like whenever you are you feel like talking I'm here for you I love you so I think as parents, uh, a key is also to just be patient and see that not everything needs to be solved right now, yeah, uh, so but it's uh, taking time and it can even be later in the evening, it can be the next day, but it's always moving toward your, your teen and, and really affirming your love for them and keep on building that relationship because that's our entrance to shed wisdom and love to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. really so good. I, I really love how like the approach is really out of love. Pastor, yeah. you mentioned that approach is so important. And I think the key thing is that let's approach out of love, right? Let's approach from love. Let's let's be steered by love. Mm. Yeah, you know, and, and Pastor, I think the parents are so helped today. Um, maybe just in closing, just one last thing you have on your mind and on your heart for them. Yeah, so... Um, just want to say, uh, Christy, after you see uh, Miriam, I'm next. Just want to say that, right? I, I, I choked that place already. So <laughs> I want to pour out all my issues into, right? so that I know I get helped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I feel so uh, loved today. Exactly. <laughs> because I'm always so cool and calm and collected, right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Miriam, for being you. It's just so uh, such a blessing. You know, so good. So let me just uh, close this up today. I just want to come back to this approach is important. And we talked a lot about that today in 
asking questions. It's another A, A is for asking questions. But before that, we need to look at the approach. We need to acknowledge where they're coming from. And finally, we need to affirm. We talked about all these three things today. But let's see how this even works out, you know, at the end. You know, how did Jesus do this? Did he ask uh, another beautiful question? Let's just end with that today. You know, perhaps you don't have a culture of asking questions in your parenting. Perhaps you never understood that when you were growing up and under your own parents. And uh, as I said, I grew up in such an environment where statements were made all the time, not questions. And uh, I, I felt I was never heard, never listened to, never never understood. So maybe you are, you are from there, you're from that, from that school, you know what I mean? I'm not saying it's bad, it's just that was how it was, right? Or perhaps you've never even tried asking questions and this is all very new to you and you're just wondering, you know, will that even work? You know, my child doesn't want to even want to approach me. I tried asking questions and they shun me. Can I just want to say to you, parents, don't stop. Do not stop. Uh, do not give up, you know. Go down this road. At the end of the day, your child still wants to talk to you. Perhaps you tried, you got on off the wrong foot with your young adult and you have failed. And then let's just let's, let's look at how Jesus did this. You know the story of the woman caught in adultery. Very quickly, John 8 is where it's taken from. You found that, you know, they found a woman that was caught in adultery, brought them before Jesus. And the Bible says, you know, uh, teacher, this woman was caught. Moses says in the law to stone her, what do you say? They asked him a question, what do you say? Mm. And he did not address that question. They said this to test him, right? That's what they said. And then he says, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then he wrote down the grounds. And I love the question that he actually did ask. You know, he did not say anything to the woman except he asked a question. He asked the woman, woman, where are those accusers of yours? He says, has no one condemned you? So I just want to say to the parents today in closing, Jesus asked the question, does anyone condemn you? Has no one condemned you. So I'm going to ask this to the parents. Has anyone condemned you? No one does. Mm. Jesus does not look down on you. If you've never done this before, you've been, sometimes you've failed in the area of asking questions. Perhaps you've engaged with your son or your daughter and you've crashed into the wall. Perhaps both of you are in such a situation right now that you're not even talking to each other. You feel like a failure. You feel like this woman, perhaps she feels condemned. She was brought out in the openness and shamed in front of others. Perhaps you feel that way in your heart. You're not able to tell this to any individual. Perhaps there's a sense of condemnation in your heart. I just want to say to you that Jesus does not condemn you. That's exactly what he says. Does anyone condemn you? I just want to say to you through this podcast as well, no one condemns you. Your Savior, your Lord, your beloved does not condemn you. You know what she did? She took ownership when that question was asked. She took ownership and she said, no one, Lord. Mm. And I just want to say to you, parents, take ownership once again. Take ownership of your family. Take ownership of your teenage son or daughter. Take ownership of the fact that you are the parent that God has appointed. Take ownership again. Come back to a place where you know that you're not condemned, but God is for you and that you're taking ownership of your family. You're taking ownership of this child that you once knew you loved to bits now has grown up to become a teenager and you can't understand the child. Take ownership of this child. 
Come back to a relationship with this child. Come back to loving this child once again. This is your child. God gave you this child. Take ownership of this child, parent. Mm. And then Jesus affirmed her by saying, neither do I. So that's something, parents, I need you to, to start. He's, and you know what he, he did? He gave her a fresh start. Neither do I condemn you. Go up, sin no more. So can I encourage you parents today, get up and start afresh in this journey of building a relationship, a love relationship with your child. Mm -hmm. Start afresh to coming and not finding fault perhaps, like what I used to do and now it was when I didn't know too much. But start afresh by coming alongside, by asking the right questions. Do something that you have never done before, perhaps all these while that you've done so many, all these years, for example, you've done different things and they've failed. Can I encourage you, parents, do something brand new that we are suggesting to you in this podcast. Do something new that you have never done. Next thing, be cool. I don't know how many times I can stress that. Be cool. Be calm. Jesus was, you notice, this was a very tense situation that the woman was thrown in front of him. He was in the middle of a preaching session. He was sharing things and they shamed the woman and they wanted to shame him as well because they knew if they mentioned Moses' law, they would have caught him and they wanted to see him trip. You know what? Jesus was still cool. Jesus is still cool with you, parents. Be cool. He didn't fly into a rage, although he could have. He's the son of God. He had every right to do it. But as a parent, you don't do it because you, you know better. You're a child of God, parent. You want, to, you want it to be cool. You want to be collected. You want to be in control of this situation because your Jesus is in control of the situation. So you know what? You want to try this again. Let's try this again. Can I encourage you? Your children want a relationship with you, parents. They're seeking your attention. But of course, when you seek attention the wrong way, they end up in trouble. But you know what? They're also seeking your attention. And if you can give them that love attention, that love relationship, and when they get the attention, their feelings are validated at home. Mm -hmm. They become absolute successes outside of home. That's what we shared earlier. They become winners outside of home because they can share their feelings at home. They're not judged for their feelings at home. They're understood for their feelings at home. And when we give up on them, where else will they go? Where else will they go for redemption and restoration? Where else would the adulterous woman go for restoration and redemption if it wasn't at the feet of Jesus? If it wasn't for Jesus, hey, tell, I tell you this, parents, that woman would have been stoned. But because of what Jesus said, because of his approach, because of his right questions, because of his heart of love. She wasn't stoned that day. She was restored. She was redeemed. She was put on a new life before God. And I just want to tell you, parents, that's all we can do today. Jesus is with you. Jesus is for you. He is the God of the new approach in your life. Jump in, parents. And you know what? He will be there for you. And he will love you and love you through this journey that you're in. And the Lord is your vindication, your help, your promise. The Lord loves you. And I just want to pray today that you will just take this and launch out into the deep that you and your household shall be so full of the provision and the possessions that God is going to give you this year. Much more, much more coming in the days and years to come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen, amen. That's so powerful, Pastor. I think this episode has been so rich. Thank you so much, Pastor Matthews and Miriam. Parents, 
We just want to encourage you to deep dive with the Lord this week. Study the questions that Jesus asked in the Bible and meditate on Matthew chapter 20, verse 32. Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And we want to encourage you to do this with your children as well. Ask your children to define the role of a parent with you. What's their image of an ideal parent? Or perhaps even ask, how can you be a better parent to them? Be open to explore and hear their perspective. We pray you'll have such a blessed time with the Lord and your children. Stay tuned to our next episode for more of LEAP, where we close off this series with the final letter in the LEAP approach. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Grace-Based Living Podcast by New Creation Church. We hope you've enjoyed our deep dive into the practical handles of raising and parenting teens. Do check out the additional resources we prepared for you in our show notes. Till the next time, be greatly blessed, highly favoured and deeply loved.